Lasso. This morning we'll return to settling the mind. <clears throat> a number of you, not all by any means, but some of you continue to find this a bit challenging. Of course, it is a very subtle practice. But challenging to be able to attend to the thoughts, of course, without just being caught up and carried away by them. For this, you might want to return to the approach we'll take today. It's, I've just put two things together, uh, so there's nothing particularly novel about what I've, the, the connection is novel, but the ingredients are not novel. And that is drawing from the teachings of the Buddha to Bahia, uh, in the scene, let to be just the scene, and so forth, will spiral in, as we did something like 10 days ago, spiral in, bringing the same quality of mindfulness without distraction, without grasping. That little phrase you should definitely memorize. Without distraction, without grasping, will spiral in, applying this quality of mindfulness to the visual, and just in the scene, let there be just a scene, to the auditory, to the tactile, and then we'll slip over to the mind, right? But frankly, it's not that difficult for the visual. I mean, if, when you're just sitting there quietly, you're not in the midst of heavy traffic and trying to negotiate traffic, just sitting there and just being aware of visual, uh, visual appearances arising as visual appearances and attending to them without distraction, without grasping. Well, what does the grasping mean here? Without distraction is very straightforward, yeah? But for example, as, as I gaze at um, Odette's skirt, uh, if I just gaze at it normally, I say, oh, she's wearing a light green skirt. And like, oh, the pretty much color of my, my, my trousers. Um, you know, and so what do I do? I'm, I'm seeing immediately a skirt, the, co the color of the skirt, draw an association, my trousers, color of my trousers. And so the color is an attribute of her skirt, right? And all of this is perfectly normal. But as I do that, as I'm attending to that, of course, I'm bringing, I'm drawing from memories, the, uh, drawing from memories. I know that's not made of, I don't know, cotton candy, you know, her, um, her skirt. I mean, because I'm drawing from memories of, of cotton and so forth, and I'm superimposing now. I'm an artist, then casting my associations, my memories, and so forth upon a sheer raw visual impression of color. And now that color is an attribute of an object, and the object is something that I have put together based upon my experiences. It's happened on many occasions when people are shown things that are completely out of their experience. They literally don't make sense of them. Uh, there are some that are almost so outrageous that I think hard to believe. But I think there have been cases, for example, of um, people, people bringing uh, like computers or a little, a little television screen to people who have never seen anything remotely like it, and people looking at it and just not making any sense of it. People just can't be that small, you know or they just don't get it. And they have to learn how to watch television. Oh, that's, oh, oh, and then they're starting, and then they're starting to weave it in, weave it in, weave it in. This is similar to people who have cataracts, for example, or some type of an eye obscuration, which is taken away well into life, long after the visual cortex should have normally developed. And they have to learn how to see. And it's a very painful and well, very difficult, very troubling type of experience. So there's a whole story there, and probably a lot of know about, know about it. But seeing is not our normal way of seeing. Oh, there's a skirt with a green color. That's not natural. That is a learned ability, right? But what I'm getting at here is as I gaze at over in that direction, and I see, oh, there's Odette's skirt, pale green skirt, that's seeing with grasping. 
okay? Its skirt, its Odette skirt, it has a green color and so forth. And what we're doing now is, if I should settle just and bring the mindfulness to the visual field, this elliptical field, and in the scene left to be just seen, all that arises, if I, so let that be in the, fi in the middle of my visual screen, is just shades of green, because there's all types of um, shadow, shadows and so forth, different colors of green there, but it's just green, because that's all the visual cortex, or the visual perception by way of visual cortex is picking up. It's the visual cortex doesn't pick up skirts. Right. So, just maybe I belabor that point too much, and I, don't, I do would like to be concise. But there it is. In the scene, let it be just the scene without grasping, without the associations, without skirt, without Odette skirt. Oh, it's like my trousers, and so forth. It's just, and it needs no labeling, and it needs no naming, and it has no associations. It is just what it is. And that's likewise the sound of a finger snap. It's the immediate sense of tactile sensations, tactile events arising. They don't belong to anyone. They're not of something else. They're not attributes of something else. They are what they are, right? So to bring in this very naked, raw, unelaborated mode of mindfulness to the visual, say, oh, I can do that. That's not, this isn't hard, right? I, I'm not thinking, oh, that's my color. I'm sorry, Odette, you can't wear that color because that's my color. I'll show you. See, see it's my color, <laughs> right? Well, don't we don't do that. We don't say that's my color just because it's appearing in my visual elliptical field, nor do we say, you know, that's my sound. It's just a sound arising in an auditory field. It comes to tactile, and then the my, the my tendency does tend to come in pretty strongly. Insofar as we can release that, that's going to be a big boon. And then we come to the mental field. The mental field, right? And so if you, if you spiral in, I think you'll find it not that difficult without distraction, without grasping to the visual, the auditory. Now a bit more difficult with the tactile, but after all, they are just sensations, earth, water, fire, air, arising in the space of the body. Then we direct it to the mind, and being aware that you know, they are, in fact, as the Buddha said, in, this, in the mentally perceived, let there be just the mentally perceived, they are, in fact, just mental events arising within a domain of experience that doesn't have a shape, it's not elliptical. It's three-dimensional, and simply attending to them as such. So final point here is the issue of being able to attend to them without grasping. Grasping comes in very light modes, like, oh, she's wearing a green skirt. Okay. No, there's no harm in that. It's, it's true. If we were dreaming right now, and I dreamed of Odette appearing, I said, oh, there's Odette. Imagine even if I'm on a lucid dream. And I turn over to Susan and say, oh, have you noticed Odette here? She's wearing a green skirt. That would be perfectly fine. That's, that's true. There's no mental affliction in that. There's craving, hostility, no delusion. It's just within the context of the dream. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's grasping, but it's not malignant grasping. Right? This is a quality of non-grasping we seek to bring to the space of the mind. In the mentally perceived, let there be just the mentally perceived. Now, one of you commented recently, and I think a lot of this can resonate with it, resonate with this comment. The person said when practicing, I think it was settling the mind, in fact, that when doing so, or at least some shamatha practice, whatever came up, the practice went pretty well. And the five obscurations seemed to be not too heavy. 
And then in between sessions, the person said, then my mind, it was like waiting, it was like crouching, crouching and wait for me. And then as soon as the session was over, then the, the five oscillations just piled in and beat me up, you know? <laughs> like when I was there, then they all go, we'll get you, Buster. You can only meditate so many hours a day. We'll just wait. Good, he's getting up. Let's get him now, shall we? Yeah, let's get him. You know, beat him up. Okay, so my mind's doing this to me. My mind's doing this to me. I think, well, judging by the laughter, we all resonate with this. Here's the easiest entry. Because what's happening here, of course, is we're reifying the mind. And we're also reifying the five obscurations. They get there waiting for me. And this is wonderful speech. I'm not criticizing anything. It was just wonderfully clear, experiential-based speech. But it's very easy to reify the mind. The, my mind is tormenting me. My mind, my memories are making me so unhappy. My thoughts are just torment. My thoughts are so disturbing as if they're really there and they're, they are doing it to me. Like, you know, the Americans are doing this to the Mexicans. Why don't they stop? Those Americano gringos, why don't they stop? You know, eh, eh, they. Well, as we're attending to the space of the mind, this three-dimensional, 3D cinema, the primary events are the auditory and the visual, as we simply attend to what is being displayed. What is being displayed. So we have a really, really strong analogy. It's movies and it's television, right? And we can see especially little kids, but also if a, if a movie is well-crafted or people really want to get into the movie, they can be crying in the movie, they can be terrified in the movie, sad in the movie, so sad, and bored, and all, you know, all kinds of things as they're reifying the characters in the movie, right? And getting into it. And don't go there, don't, oh, he's, he's going to go, he's gonna, you know. Come on, it's little flickerings on the screen, get real, come on. You know, and so we reify, and then we think the characters in the film are going to really do something to the other character in the film, or they're going to do something to us, especially as it's 3D and it comes lunging out to us. And so, in the scene, let there be just a scene. There are gradations of emptiness here, and that is, as you're doing this practice, why do we get caught up? Why do we get carried away, swept away? Why do we find a practice difficult? Because we're getting caught in the drama. Getting caught in the comedy, getting caught in the infomercial. We're reifying, grasping into, getting sucked into it. That's where the grasping comes, and grasping then leads to distraction. Distraction, we've just now become a character in the movie, right? Our little mini samsara. And so the easiest entry here is just to attend to the thoughts and mental images the audio track and the visual track as audio and visual, right? And just observing it. Sometimes you might actually just observe the visual as if you've turned off the sound, hit mute on the television, say, what's the visual like? Oh, that's not so hard. And so see the emptiness. Perceive the emptiness of the audio and the visual. They arise to you. There's nothing to them. There's, n there's no more substance to them than images on a television screen, a movie screen, images in a mirror, in fact, one, one, one exercise that um, Padmasambhava gives in Natural Liberation, I love it. I hardly ever do it, but I like to think about doing it. Is <laughs> walking up to a mirror, walking up to a mirror, like Jenny walking up to a mirror, say, 
Oh, you gorgeous woman, you. You glamorous woman. You are just, what a knockout. You're such an incredible person. And you're incredibly smart and funny and vivacious. You are just such a wonderful person. You know. And then see what happens as you see this person telling you these wonderful things. <laughs> I'll, I'll let, lost in translation. Yeah. And then Jenny, I'm just taking it as an example, and then Jenny comes up, oh, you miserable old woman, you. You are disgusting. You are, you are ugly. You are really, really ugly. And you're so foolish. I mean, you're dim-witted. You're just, what a wretched person you are. You're disgusting. Ugh, eh. <laughs> you know? And then seeing this person saying all these nasty things, you know, and just seeing what comes up as this person over there is saying these really nice things <laughs> and these really awful things to you and see what comes up. And, of course, empty empty. But you'd have to be pretty silly to be looking into the mirror and hearing that. Jenny, you're just disgusting. This person in the mirror is saying, Jenny, you're disgusting. Say, no, no, you're disgusting. <laughs> no, 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 you're more disgusting. No, no, I said it first. <laughs> this is now clearly loony, right? But this is what we do when in our own minds. Oh, my mind is tormenting me. Oh, my mind is tormenting me. I'll torment you. <laughs> Stupid mind. Ridiculous mind, idiot mind. I'm much smarter than you are. <laughs> so realize the emptiness of the audiovisual tract, of the appearances that are arising. That's the easiest. That's the easiest. Like calming, calming a child who's freaking out watching a, a scary movie. You say, hey, you know, they're just, it's, they're just playing. These are actors. Those are just images. Getting the child to calm down. Stop reifying, you know, the stuff on the television. And then a bit deeper. Now, no laughing matter. I mean, this is fun just to joke around. But then a little bit, no, no, no laughing matter. Are we ever tormented by our emotions? Emotions tied up with memories. Oh, I think so. Who hasn't been? But as we are now bringing wisdom to something that is a very old movie, as we bring wisdom to sometimes the imagery that comes up from memories, words that were said, from memories. This is now a documentary. Heavily edited, but nevertheless, it's a documentary. <laughs> Inspired by real events. Right? But with a lot of emotional, a lot of emotional feel to it, pull to it, grip to it. As we attend to these, both the memories, the images, the audio, and so forth, and the emotions coming up with it, if we can simply bring wisdom to it, Whatever the memory is about, it's in the past and it no longer exists. It's in the past. It's like a dinosaur. No reason to be afraid of dino dinosaurs. They died off. They won't hurt you. Hitler was a very evil man, but he's dead. He won't hurt you. What happened this morning, earlier this morning, is Hitler, it's dinosaurs, it's, it's finished. Gone. No longer exists. So why should we, we be troubled by something that doesn't exist now any more than unicorns or any other non-existent phenomena? They don't exist anymore. And so it existed at one time, but no longer, just like a dinosaur. And so whatever comes up in terms of the memory itself, it's empty. Right now, it's empty. This is a husk. This is a dry shell. It's a mere appearance. There is nothing 
to it. There's nothing more to it than appearance, like an appearance, a reflection in a mirror. And then even more subtly, the emotions that come up with it, by the time we're aware of the emotion, it's already gone. We're aware, we are aware of emotion that took place 50 milliseconds ago. But it's already happened. It's already happened. So why should we be grasping onto the past of an emotion that rose, but by the time we're aware of it, it's an emotion that just went by? Because the emotion is about something. It's attending to, it's an emotion about a person, a thing, an object, a place. It has a referent. And when the emotion is being experienced in real time, we're, attend it's a, we're emoting about something. And we're attending to that something. right? But by the time we're directing our awareness to the emotion, it's past tense. It's, it's over. It's empty. So we go gradations of realizing the emptiness from the audio, the visual, the memories, the emotions. And then tonight when we're dreaming, then in the same mode, the same smooth trajectory into dreams, into dreams, in realizing, hey, this is what I was doing during the daytime. There's the audio. There's the visual, there's the emotions, and all of this is empty. And most importantly, the person who is experiencing this in the dream is empty. It's a figment of imagination, it's an appearance. There's no one really here in the dream, really here on my side, as opposed to really there over there on the objective side. And so to linger there, so should, should some of you have more lucid dreams in the near future, linger there, not just flying and having fun or doing this and playing the drama, but rather linger there and start exploring more deeply the empty nature of everything that occurs in the dream, even the emotions that arise in the dream. The subject, the object, the, scene, the, the dreamscape, the people that arise. Realize as deeply and as thoroughly as you can the emptiness of independent, inherent nature of anything that arises in the dream. This is simply an extension of settling the mind in its natural state. And then when you wake up, then continue, because all these appearances are arising in your own substrate. So I won't, I won't try to go deep more deeply there right now. I want to get back to meditation. But of course there's a difference between the dream and the waking state. And that is the, and this is immediately relevant to settling the mind. And that is when people appear in the dream, there's nothing to them. That is, there's no one there looking back. There are not many people, there are not many sentient beings in your dream. There appear to be, but they are really just appearances. Right? Even yourself as a person. Well, a dream person, a dreamed person is not a person. Any more than a character in a novel is an actual sentient being. If you, and I, I, I've died, I got shot in the head once. I, I, somebody murdered me in a dream a long time ago. Ta-da! <laughs> you, you can start bowing now. You came back from the dead. You must be truly a great teacher. Master, master. 
<laughs> well, I'm here. No, it's just me because that nobody died. Yeah, somebody was shot in the head in the dream, but nobody was shot in the head in the dream. It was just a figment, a dream, an apparition for which a dream bullet came into a dream head, but there wasn't anybody there. And so, no, I wasn't shot. There was nobody there, subjectively or objectively. They were just appearances arising in the, in the substrate. In contrast to that, and this is why karma during the dream is not the same as karma in the waking state, as I attend to all of you here, arising, the, that is, the, the forms of your bodies arising within the elliptical field of my visual space, which is simply a subdivision of the space of my mind of substrate. Those appearances are just in the space of the substrate, exactly like in a dream. No more, no less. Right? They're empty. The appearances are just appearances. They're empty. But the big difference is, just for example with people, when I look over at Carlos, somebody is looking back. That's a sentient being, not just a display in my substrate. So I won't, I won't belabor this, because I do want to meditate now, but that's where we really need to, to find that subtle middle way between realizing that Carlos in the waking state that is not simply a figment of my imagination. He's not just appearances to my mind. I could die. He's still there. Right? And yet, he doesn't exist as he appears. Really there, independent of any mind, of any conceptual designation. That's a subtle middle way that I won't explore now. But hopefully these words made it a little bit more helpful. To, number, to, to do two things, and that's why I went on so long. One is to see that even if you've had a bit of difficulty with settling the mind, here's a nice step-by-step -step strategy that you make it easier. Without distraction, without grasping for the visual, auditory, tactile, and then for the mental, just the audio-visual at the beginning. And find that's not that hard, and they really are empty, so why should they suck you in, right? And then for on from there. And then in terms of the emptiness aspect, if we can start to free ourselves, from getting, in the, from getting caught in the grip of our minds, which we so easily anthropomorphize, reify. My mind is doing this to me as if there are two people in there, or two real entities. You know, me and my mind is beating me up, or my mind is making me happy, or my agitated. Oh, my mind's making me so agitated. Well, I would say, then evict your mind, get it out of there. You know? Who needs somebody that's disturbing you? Just say, take a hike, go, up, go over to Carissa's place. Go, go, go someplace else. And so to realize, step by step, the emptiness of the phenomena arising in the space of the mind is liberating. Why not? That, like the four measurables, I can guarantee you, is something that can be of tremendous benefit when you go back to active way of life, engaging with other people and so forth, let alone if you're going from here to a long-term retreat. Either way, freeing your mind from internal reification is enormously helpful, liberating, by way of insight. Good. Find your posture. Let's have a session. And now I can use far fewer words. I think you know exactly what we're going to do. So you will not have to multitask so much as we actually meditate.
Settle your body in its natural state, your respiration in its natural rhythm. And for a little while, calm your mind with mindfulness of breathing. Now as we begin to spiral in on the practice of settling the mind in its natural state, let your eyes be open, direct your mindfulness to the elliptical field of visual impressions, the space of sight. In the scene, let there be just the scene, sustain your mindfulness without distraction, without grasping.
and close the eyes and turn the same quality of mindfulness to the auditory field. We attended to the visual field. The appearances most likely appeared to be out there. But any neurophysiologist, any physicist as well, will tell you that's not the case. Those images are not really out there, green, yellow. Nor are the sounds really out there all by themselves, hovering in space. These arise in the space of the mind. And likewise now as we turn the mindfulness to the space of the body and the tactile events that arise within that space. In the sensed, let there be just the sensed. Tactile events arising in the space of the mind, the space of awareness.
your eyes be at least partially open. You can be just slightly open if you wish, just enough to let light come in and direct the full force of mindfulness to the space of the mind and whatever arises within it. Observing mental events as mental events, as empty as sounds emitted from a television, appearances manifesting on the screen. Remember the core instructions in terms of the application of introspection. Noting excitation as swiftly as possible when you've been caught up either in distraction or grasping. And remembering the two-step response. First of all, loosen up, relax. Release your grip on that which seems to have gripped you. Second step, return to the immediacy of the present moment and attend to whatever's arising right now. Even if all that remains is the vacuous space of the mind. Attend to it clearly. And if it, on occasion you lose your clarity, you're just sitting there with a blank mind spaced out. Refresh your interest. Focus your attention. Attend closely to the space of the mind and whatever arises within it from moment to moment. And let's continue practicing now in silence.
Tommaso. One reason why so many of the great yogis of the past, and for literally many centuries, have suggested that for those who wish to really devote themselves single-pointedly to meditation and really kind of get someplace, not just maintain mental hygiene, that it's really strongly recommended to go into deep solitude, radical simplicity, and do nothing besides let your, you know, release all attachment to this life and let your mind become dharma. But just radical simplification. For very good reason. For very good reason. Because we all know, even here to some extent, but massively more when we go out into the normal world, that as soon as we're launching in, I mean, when you arrive at Mexico Airport or wherever you're going to, or even the even Phuket Airport, you know, even there, that little dinky little airport there, that as soon as you're there, you're just enmeshed in a world of things. Not wanting to miss your flight, are they going to check your baggage? What, did I get that little sticker I need? Um, and, I must, and, and so forth. You know, so you're just locked into a world of things, of objects, of hopes and fears, of planning, remembering, anticipation. And as soon as we're locked into a world of things, then it's just a setup. It's almost like having HIV, that now we're just, the, the immune system is down. And we're just ready to go for any kind of craving and hostility. Oh, you got in the, I got in the longest line. Crap, I should have gotten in that line. And, uh, why is this person taking so long? I'm a meditator. They should know I need to get to the, another place so I can meditate over there. Because <laughs> I can't meditate here. But over there would be a really good place. Because that's a meditation place. You know. Here, in contrast... There's almost nothing to do. And so in between sessions, as much as you can, in the scene, let it be just the scene. The heard, the, the tactile, the mentally perceived. Because when we're really engaged, we really can't do that so much. We really need to think, that's not just an appearance of baggage, that's my baggage. You know, and you have to make sure, you know, that it gets where it's supposed to go. It's kind of like appearances, appearance. <laughs> Here we can pretty much keep it simple. And that is, these are appearances arising in the space of our own substrate. And of course, this is no less real than any other place, but we don't have to, we're not obliged by having a lot of responsibilities from outside, a lot of things to be done. We're not obliged to get caught up so much, nearly as much, in the world of objects, things, hopes and fears and so forth, but just kind of cruise along and let appearances arise, auditory, tactile and so forth and just maintain an ongoing flow of mindfulness. Whatever your primary practice is, in between sessions, to do that will make it a lot easier to come back in every session. Okay, smooth transition. All right. So, we have about one month, one, one month left. Let's take full advantage of it. Joyfully, relaxed, loose. Good. Enjoy your day.